You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. More man rush. Manning still gets pressure. Now there's Barkley again. A first down leaping over people. Saquon Barkley. First down for the Giants. He jumped over Adrian Amos, the safety, and he picked up 17. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Well, Grump, we are two weeks and one day away from Christmas. I'm trying to count things that are positive in my life right now, and Christmas is coming and we'll get lots of presents. Well, that's true, yeah. I mean, I can't say, I can't say anything positive about our football situation. I was going to say, it's only if you've been good all year and the Giants have been pretty bad all year. Well, we've been good all year. I mean... This is the, the best this the, podcast has ever sounded. Yeah, you know, something is hitting our groove, so <laughs> still no sponsors, but <laughs> well, maybe Christmas is coming, so mm-hmm. um the Giants actually last night with their loss to the Eagles are now currently losing the season record against Philadelphia over the franchise history. <laughs> this has been quite a run of being bad against them. I mean, there was quite a run about 10 years ago. We beat them like seven or eight or something. Yeah. And it just completely flipped. Yeah. But it's not, it seems to be not even for their strength so much as just this matchup. I mean, even when this team is good, they can't seem to beat the Eagles and, you know, like even when you look at 2010 was a team that was almost destined for the playoffs. They actually ended the year, I think at 10 and six and lost to the Eagles and got knocked out of the playoffs. So, I mean, it's just it's, it's just been this thing, right, And between these two teams. And it's one of the reasons yeah. why I hate them the most. Well, it's one of those things where they were always a bad matchup against us. They've always had a pretty good pass rush. Hmm. You know, and we've had offensive line problems for a couple of years. Eli, you know, hasn't handled the pass rush very well recently. So, you know, it, and why I hate them the much, most – all those scumbags who live 90 miles to the south of us who are just a complete filth to humanity. Yeah. You know, miserable people, even when they're happy, they're, they're angry. There's always that. Um, but you know what? If I were from Philadelphia, I'd be miserable too. <laughs> you can't just have just Pat and Geno's in, in your life and that's all of it. You need some more to hang your hat on. Look, if the main ingredient of your best thing is cheese whiz, then you're not really worth much as a city. Hey, wait a minute now. Let's not get on the uh, on the cheesesteaks because I'm a big cheesesteak guy. It just happens to be the people that serve it and the people that eat it are people I really can't stand. Look, you can like a food, but when it's like your staple and that's the best you can do, that's pretty whack. Well, I mean our, our staple food is cheese within pizza. 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 Pizza is fantastic. Pizza you can put anything on. But you better not, because I like mine plain. Oh, just oh, oh, with that, yeah, yeah, I forgot you're you're, you're that's half right. Floridian, so you got some weird lizard thing going on where you only eat plain pizza. This will be a special Just Giants episode sometime in April. We have absolutely nothing to talk about, but <laughs> I'll take I'll take New Jersey bagels, but whatever. Mm. Anyway, point is, uh, I just want to point out that I was almost spot on in my score guess. My. score my score prediction was 27-17, and this game ended 24-17 with a missed field goal by the Eagles. 
Yeah, nice job. Yeah, thanks. I, I know we lose. I, I, I just blot out of my mind what we predict for the, in you, these games. You predicted a, like an absolute shit-fuck disaster, which, by the way, as it got closer and closer to kickoff and it was absolutely pouring out, I was like, I think Mike's right about this one. <laughs> well, you know, they, they, they did a good job of hanging around. I mean, this team has not quit on this coaching staff. And that's that's a that's a big thing in the ledger of evaluating whether this coaching staff will be back next year, whether it's an assistant or a head coach or not, is have they checked out? And, you know, even we had the conversation about Janoris Jenkins a couple of weeks ago, how he spoke up that somebody would check out, would not be saying things like that. So you know, give them the credit. You know, they you know, we all know the situation. They're a mess. They're not being coached properly. It's a, a roster in complete flux right now, but they, they, they showed some heart by hanging around. I mean, hanging around, they came out firing. Like, I, 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 I'm going to keep this as real as I can. I did like a, a real a real trying to be a uh, as Fox News fair and balanced as I could be in my, <laughs> oh, my, 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 my Twitter breakdown of this game. I gave credit where I thought it was due. I gave criticism where I thought it was due. I don't think overall this team played horrendously last night. I think they actually played pretty well. They came out firing. And, you know, one of the things I, I started by saying it was absolutely pouring out uh, to start the game. I really thought, oh, man, what a mess. Like, we can't run block to save our souls. Fuck it. We didn't even try to begin with. We were just throwing the ball at will downfield. And it was working. Um, you know, I, I really think that one of the things that Dave Gettleman can walk into John Mara's office and, and hang his head on as to why he should say is Darius Slayton. I mean, a fifth round draft pick has almost the same stat line as Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. Here, here he can walk in and say, I traded away Odell Beckham, got, you know, a first round pick, uh, a first round pick player and a third round pick. Oh, and also I drafted a guy who's just as good as him stat wise. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think the the case that Gettleman's going to make more than uh, Shermer, and we'll talk about Shermer in a minute, but Gettleman's case more is more of a here's a big picture of the plan, and here's what we've accomplished by getting this team in position. I mean, at, we're recording this now on a Tuesday evening, and I'm just finished with a big Twitter um, texting argument with the, the guys who sit next to us at, at games where – Record this year was completely irrelevant in judging how the rebuild is going from Gettleman's from Gettleman's standpoint. Yes, from Gettleman's standpoint, not from Shermer, from Gettleman. You know, the the task of breaking down a terrible roster and making it more cap friendly, more picks, so you can start building from the ashes of the fire. That was the that was really the goal of this. It wasn't necessarily oh because a bunch of rookies haven't become Pro Bowlers or you know a a left tackle we had to overpay just because we needed somebody, and that's the way it is, is not performing. That's not what Gettleman's being judged on this year. He's being judged on getting this team in position to rebuild the roster, and that's gonna, that was going to cause pain. That's going to cause you know not re-signing Landon Collins. That's not – it's going to require si- getting rid of guys like Eli Apple, you know, people that – a lot of fans liked on this team to understand why we're getting rid of, why we got rid of snacks. It was just to get this team in a position and we were always going to be worse before we got better and we're suffering through it now. But, you know, if Gettleman is 
telling his story properly and he's selling it to the ownership, you know, he has a story to tell. It's I have this roster in our situation ready to go going forward. Yeah, exactly. These are, you know, the the biggest knock I think you can really hit against Gettleman is that he hired Pat Shermer. But my question to you is, and we'll we'll get back to the game in just a second because there's other things I want to point out about the game that yeah, stood sure. out to me. Me but, too, absolutely. But um, but when it comes to a GM hiring a coach, how much of that can he say? Look, I can only hire a coach based on who's available. And remember. Um, the Giants tried to acquire Kevin Stefanski from the Minnesota Vikings as offensive coordinator, and they were blocked by the Vikings. And I don't know all the rules about that. I think he becomes eligible next year to be had or whatever. Um, and, and that's just such a weird rule in general, um, blocking people from employment or interviews or something. But uh, you know, how much of that can Gettleman use as as protection against himself? As in, you know, I can only choose from who's available to me. Yeah, I mean that's that's very possible. I mean, I'm looking at it as because when we look what? back, I'm I'm sorry, I just want to finish my point. When yeah, we look go back ahead. at the other coaching candidates, it was really we were going through them, and the best we could come up with were guys like Josh McDaniels who dicked over Indianapolis, you we'll know, never Steve be Wilkes. I mean, like yeah. there was not really great options out there for him to choose from. I th- my honest opinion was I think that Gettleman painted a picture, an honest picture of where this – what levels this rebuild has to go through. And we're going to have to – like I said, we have to be worse before or better. It's going to require dumping players to make this better in the future. And I think what they were looking for in a head coach was somebody that can develop talent. Work with their quarterbacks. Wins and losses. They'll never, ever, ever say this in public. But 2018, 2019, and maybe 2020's record is kind of irrelevant or secondary to getting the building blocks in place for this team to make the leap once the roster is more viable for really competing. So I think you know they made the assessment that Pat Shermer – I think was more that guy because it wasn't for someone like who's going to take you over the top to you know be in the playoffs in a Super Bowl run because he has a, a terrible track record coming in. I think it's they thought when they drafted their quarterback that this would be the guy who can develop that quarterback and, and develop you know young players and develop you know into a system that will work. Now that doesn't excuse the fact that he's just a God awful coach. And yeah. we're going to talk about some of the things that the prime examples that happened Monday night, and he's impeding the progress of this team with poor decision-making. Um, but, you know, I, I would love to talk to somebody who's way smarter than me who can say, you know, is he doing a positive job on Daniel Jones's development? You know, was throwing him in in game three helpful for that development or not based on what they were doing? You know, I don't know. That's something that Gettleman and Mary and Tish are going to have to evaluate and say, are they pleased enough with his development of young players? Will that override his general incompetence of being the head coach of this team? It's certainly interesting. So, I mean, one of the biggest things that you'll notice from this game, and you don't even have to watch it to see it, is – and it's been a story 
all year. Not necessarily with score, but with how close games are. No second half adjustment whatsoever. An inability to deal with adjustments. I mean, the Eagles were inept in the first half. And I mean, they weren't even close. They had three points on the board, but they were not even sniffing the ends. I mean, so to to start off, uh, Mike missed the beginning of the game. So he said, keep me updated. And within like two minutes, I'm like, so Marcus Golden has two quarterback hits in a sack already. I mean, they they were completely useless. And then all of a sudden they come out of halftime and they change up their game plan to a, a short intermediate pass routes uh, and just kind of, oh, let's get coverage against the linebackers and find whoever's in dime coverage and just throw at them. And uh, there was no adjustment whatsoever. None. Yeah, there's, there's three major problems I have with Pat Shermer. There are no second-half adjustments. He always seems to be outfoxed by the other coach. Now, we've seen it twice in a row now where, you know, in a punting situation, they pull the punting team off and the, you know, they decide to go for it or vice versa. And we just are completely lost. We, you know, and it's easy to outfox the staff. And the third thing, and the third thing, and the third thing is just, you know, the, just the general clock management. You know, we, we will talk about how an opportunity to win this game in overtime was just in regulation was completely just ignored. You know, I never want to go to the fate of a coin toss. And we had, what, 40 seconds left in a timeout at least? Mm. And we just let the clock run out? I mean, that's just – that you know, for a team that's 2-9 and nine and you have nothing to lose, try to win the fucking game. Yeah, it was, it was a strange scenario where the Eagles had the ball. It was now fourth and one. And they were sort of in alignment and they were prepared to let the – they had about 35. So they had exactly the play clock, play clock amount left of game time. And they were prepared to just let it run out in alignment. You know what I mean? Why not? Because right. uh, they're now in, in their own zone. They were I think at like maybe they're 40 or something like that. And we let about 15 seconds tick off before we called our own timeout. I mean that is pathetic. It's just completely it, – it's just another example of how this coaching staff is either unprepared or just not sharp. And a lot of it can go to that Shermer has too much on his plate, that he's thinking about too many things. But I just don't think he's a good coach. I just think he's not as football intelligent and football savvy as his peers, the guys he's coaching against. You're seeing – you know, I have no love for Doug Peterson. He's going to go down to one of those coaches that won a Super Bowl. It's like – like Barry Switzer in my book, you know, not a genius, but when he outfoxes you, that's a problem. I'm not even sure if he outfoxes. Someone's just like, well, we'll just let this run as long as we can. And then, you know, we'll, we'll make them burn a timeout. And he managed to get away with an extra 15 seconds because Shermer was sitting there clueless with his thumb up his ass. Yeah. And, and, and that, that ended by the way with them punting. And I believe we just went straight to a kneel down. We need, even... right, that's, that's my point. There was time on the clock. We had a timeout and, you know, I think there was only about forty seconds. Eight. No, there was only. By no, the time there was we more got the, than that. It was more than that because it was just like, "What are you doing? Why? Why are we just? If it's eight seconds, that's one thing. But it was definitely a situation where we just were like, we're just going to play for overtime. And you know the way these rules are in the in the NFL, where you may never touch the ball again, especially with a a secondary that you know has been porous all year and was starting to break at the seams in the later half of this game. Yeah. I, I just don't understand it. I just, again, you know, 
you always hear, well, you have nothing to lose now. You're, you know, you're whatever. You know, just show like you have some fight. You're fighting for any kind of win or something. So it's just more evidence that this guy is just, you know, you know, he may be the greatest developer of quarterbacks in the history of the NFL or something, but he's going to have to make quite a strong case if he's going to be here next year because, you know, this team is 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 rock bottom. It's becoming the Knicks of the NFL right now. So we're, we're, what we're kind of talking about here is um, the different path, the, the the different lifespans there are for coach and GM in this scenario, right? I mean, we think that Gettleman has more of a lifespan based on his job, right? His job is to build a roster, and yeah. we don't think that who he's built a bad roster. But we don't. We don't. I think it's incomplete right now. Right. Exactly. We can't say that. Whereas you, you we can't. have we have probably enough evidence to show that Shermer is not a good coach. Correct. Now, I, I mean, what what do you think your fate is for Pat Shermer this year? I don't think he. I don't think he survives this year because I think that this team is so bad right now that I think as part of the rebuild, I think you have to rebuild the culture of this team. And I think that, and I think that starts with the coaching staff. You know, this, the, the evaluation period for a Gettleman is going to take a lot longer. And everybody thinks I'm the biggest Gettleman lover and Gettleman supporter. I'm not. What I am is I don't, it's a lot harder for a team to be successful when you're constantly rebuilding and re Mm-hmm. rebuilding and redirecting that rebuild coaching you know coaches come and go all the time and it it's better to cut bait with a bad one than just to say keep it for a continuality stake that that's no good either um i really think that Shermer has lost confidence with the coaching staff and probably with gettleman as well um like we said it's two years now of evidence of just bad decision making uh I, I at first I was thinking before this losing streak got to be seven, eight, nine games. I thought, you know, they would say, you know, you need to change up your 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 defensive coordinator, stop play calling, you know, be focused on being a head coach. But I think when you get that point of no return, you know, it's going to be done eventually. Might as well do it now. Yeah, and there's again, no, there's nothing. There's nothing that's going to suddenly change with all of a sudden this guy's now a genius. No, I don't think so. Um, and again, I, I think one of the things that factors into it is who is available to be head coach at this time. I mean, if we were heading into a, another year where, and again, this is assuming we're in the off season, the firings have already been done. You know, college is over, and those those hot name candidates from college are, you know, out there where they're either going to start recruiting real soon or you know whatever. Uh, your window of opportunity is open and there's just a middling pack of, you know, whatever. But I mean, there's already good names out there. Jay Gruden, I think is a decent head coach and a better offensive mind than Pat Shermer. Ron Rivera is a much better head coach. I don't know about Jay Gruden being a great head coach. I mean, I didn't say great. I said, well, I, I think what's, I think the decision on what type of coach will we, I think the question is Shermer's not being saved because there's something better. I think it's a decision where Gettleman has to be honest with himself and say, where are we with the rebuild? I mean, if we're still in his assessment, two years from really competing 
it's going to be very difficult to get a very good coach in here. But if he thinks in his assessment, you know, based on this draft coming up, we have all this cast space, we're getting this and this and this and this, he might think we are closer along to competing. I'm not saying playing for Super Bowl, but competing. And the level of coach he was going to try to get might increase. Like he might think that a Mike McCarthy type of coach might be more in his view as opposed to like a young guy who's like a, a hot name out of college and it's his first gig or a, an assistant getting his first thing. So I think it's really more his evaluation of where this team is in the short term over what type of coach he's going to get. I know this is not the point of what you just said, but I'm just going to say it now while that opportunity pops yes. up. If this team hires Mike McCarthy, I might boycott next year. <laughs> I mean, it might, it might I, Mike I get, McCarthy I, type, someone who's, who's a, who has been to a Super Bowl type, or or let's put, or maybe like a uh, a Quinn or someone like that level, not just some perennial loser or just a middling assistant with his first job. I mean, someone who's had success in this league. And I'll put Ron Rivera in that list also. You know? Yeah, I get, I get yeah, what you're yeah. saying. I just use him as an example. It's, Mike McCarthy is a name that's been floated around for a while, and it's a name that we haven't discussed, so I saw my opportunity to yeah. see it. Um, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Gettleman's perspective of the rebuild and maybe Mara and Tish's perspective of the rebuild. What about outside perspective of the rebuild? I mean, as you, as a as a coach interviewing doesn't it matter what they think of this roster when they look at it? I mean, how many guys how, – how, what does Ron Rivera think when he looks at what this team is talent-wise and what they put on tape with the coach they have? I mean, does he look at that and go like, this team should not have two wins. They should have nine or ten. I can I can do that. I mean, does that I, I think also a coach doesn't look at just the roster right now and know this is the roster he's going to have for the next four or five years. I mean, he – what he knows, but I mean that's I mean you can you can look at a roster and say like all right you know these guys are pretty much gone anyway because we can't afford them or whatever. But I mean in this upcoming draft, if they just add these pieces, that's something I can work mm-hmm. with, right? Yeah, uh, you know there there's only X amount of head coaching jobs that are available, you know, and these mm-hmm. guys that's these true. guys are coaches and they want to coach, so. It's not beggars can't be choosers, but it's not like they are going to the car lot and there's 73 cars they're choosing from. They might be four to five head coaching positions out there, and maybe not all five positions want that coach to be even interview. So I think there's a little bit of a, you know, what can I do with this roster? But I think a lot of it's just kind of a, this is what I'm dealt with. And, you know, he has, like Ron Rivera has a relationship with Gettleman already. They've worked together before. Um, I think current roster has kind of little to do with it. Okay. Also, people – the connection between Ron Rivera and Gettleman is made often, and I, and I get that. But at the same time, Ron Rivera is a coach that I respect anyway. And had Gettleman not been this GM, I would say he would be my front runner as of now for head coaching anyway. So I've already seen it around where people are saying – Oh, just remember, if Gettleman's gone, Ron Rivera might be too. Like, yeah, maybe he's still a good coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because there happens to be a connection there brother and, doesn't mean that they're that not brother-in-laws or anything. I mean, it's not it's not a package deal for either of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's sort of silly thinking. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, 
I saw a lot of a lot of the main concerns we've seen consistently all year. The little things that can be fixed kind of easily, like oh, and by easily I mean over the course of you know one free agency period, right? Like, um, the the pass rush. Uh, you know, this team has no pass rush. It was like fixed overnight last night. I mean, not fixed as in like it's done, but it was not a problem last night. The pass rush at all, which was just amazing to me. I, like suddenly they figured some shit out. The play calling was suddenly creative. I mean. Sure, there was a botched flea flicker in there, but it was a brilliant call because nobody saw it coming and there were two wide open guys deep. If only Manning had just enough of a step to get away from the oncoming guy, he had an easy touchdown. Yeah. I'm- I mean, I mean, and I mean, it comes down to the play calling and its creativity. And I think it actually lends itself to something I've been saying is, and again, this is not a- a- absolution for Pat Shermer in my eyes at all. I mean, He's terrible, but I think a lot of his play calling goes uh, by the wayside with a rookie quarterback who is not as adept at reading defenses and knowing when to check out of a certain play. You know what I mean? Bad play calls look bad when you go up there and like, well, they're lined up exactly against this. I mean, you call the play in the huddle. You know what I'm saying? Like when you get up to the line, they have nine guys in the box. I don't necessarily have play calling as one of my biggest gripes for Shermer this year. I really do. I mean, there's some every once in a while you're like, what are we doing running that play? But just as like systemically and you know, the reasons are we have a, a, a rookie quarterback. We have a running back who's, you know, not on both strong legs. So there are mitigating right. factors, but his play calling hasn't been the major problem. You know, one of the big things for me is the head coach is in charge of quality control. And this team just looks so shabby. You know, it's just, it's sloppy. It's just, there doesn't seem like there's any attention to detail. It, well, I mean, we're talking about uh, the team's best player being I'm talking, uncovered I'm talking, in I'm, overtime. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I mean, just little things that are just like, you know, a penalty here or there or just this overall sloppiness that mm-hmm. that's coaching. And I'm, I don't use the cliche, well, it's week 14 or 13. They're no longer rookies. No, they're still rookies, but they're yeah. not raw and green like they were back in August. You know, well, yeah, exactly. Rookies don't learn faster under a bad coach. Right. That, they don't even learn average under well, that, a bad that's, coach. Again, that is the main evaluation that's going to be done on Shermer is – can ownership and the GM overlook the record to be like, yeah, but we're seeing that these rookies are being developed properly on the right schedule they need to be. And that's, you know, smarter minds than us are going to make that call. Well, well the ones making the call are, are, are the ones making the decision, right? Exactly. So I don't know that they're smarter minds, but they're richer minds, I can tell you that. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's it's it's Gettleman along with the you know, Mayor has been you know his entire life has been involved in football. He's not like he's a uh, you know, he's not some rube who just got really rich and bought the team. That's true. And he's also he also is not a you know he defers a lot to his football people. You know, a lot of decisions he has the final say on things, but you know. He's not an emotional. I'm just firing this guy. He's not a. He's not a Snyder. 
So let's talk about Eli Manning. Yes, let's talk about Eli Manning because I have a couple of big opinions on this one. One of my fears sort of happened in the first half last night where this fan base is so beaten up by this team for this year and the last couple of years where, you know, my fear was that Eli would come out and look halfway decent and all of a sudden, you know, more questions come out there. And, you know, why did they make the switch? He should have been playing. You know, it's totally revisionist history because all of you people out there were ready to throw Eli over, uh, over, overboard two, three years ago. So, you know, all of a sudden this new love fest for Eli and, you know, starting with people on Twitter and the announcers on dreadful ESPN or whatever. But it was like just seeing, you know, seeing the success was just to me was like for the little tiny little short term gain of maybe winning this one game, you know, it's, it would be an added distraction to this team. Now, it sounds like Daniel Jones is going to be out for several weeks. I think that's the report that came out yesterday. So the question of Eli versus Jones next week and the week after is probably resolved. Eli's going to have to play, but it's a huge case of fool's gold that he played well in the beginnings and because people now have different expectations of who should be playing. And to me, every second that Eli is in a game when Daniel Jones can't be playing is slowing down his development. So I was not that I was rooting against Eli because I'll, I'll always love Eli for what he does. He's my did. He's my second favorite giant quarterback of all time. And I'll wear his jerseys for, you know, forever. But, I almost in a way kind of would be like, well, you see, this is what happened when Eli played. And, you know, it's, it's not an easy spot to be in. I wasn't rooting for the non-success, but I knew if he looked good, that was going to cause, you know, more noise. And for a team, it's, you know, the noise is at 11 right now. We didn't need another thing. I actually, I think it's even funnier. You're saying it's it's, it's been hypocritical as hell because – uh, of the revisionist history is these people wanted this guy gone last year, didn't even want him this year, should have drafted a quarterback instead of Saquon Barkley and gotten rid of Eli two years ago because cap it and this, that, and the other thing. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, why did we make the switch? But on top of that, you know what we saw from him, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he played poorly because he didn't, but in general this offense was still sluggish in this game. In the first half, I mean – it really relied on big plays to make it happen. And a lot of this was the weight of Darius Slayton. He takes a a slant pass, catches it, and then on a dime turns around in the mud, and there's nobody there to catch him because his defender fell and slipped and fell, and he takes it the rest of the way. I mean, that's not to take anything away from Eli, but that's a tremendous big play by a very good wide receiver. Following Mm -hmm. that, Eli takes a shot deep, and Slayton splits the defenders and takes it 55 yards to the house. I mean, these were not... Eli didn't take control of this offense and matriculate down the field with drive after drive. I mean, there were were some first downs. There were some yard, uh, some chain movers, you know. I'm not saying he played poorly because he didn't, but there was none of this, like... None of this absolute... I mean, what we saw in the final two drives from Philly, we didn't get out of Eli Manning in the whole game. No. So, I mean... The, the the following love fest that that came is is also misguided on top of that. I mean, this was still a an offense that was scoring all of its points on big plays. So I mean that it's extra stupid from my perspective. 
And let's remember the best weapon on this team ran for 3.9 yards a carry and had one receiving yard. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that that was the other thing. The running game looked odd. I mean, it was completely inconsistent. There were plays where Barkley had suddenly had room to run nine-yard gains and then others where he was getting hit in the backfield again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, some of this, again, we're, I'm going to attribute a little bit of this to weather. Um, I mean, this was... The Giants played in a snow game this year at home for the first time since I've been going to games with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the worst weather they've played in this year. Yeah. Uh, by by far. I mean, the the game started and it was a, a torrential downpour. So, I don't know. I mean, that just screws up everything you have game planned and everything that you practice for. So. But you know, something it affects both teams too. Th- I'm not saying it doesn't, but I mean, yeah, it can it can change the way a runner like Saquon Barkley is. It can change mediocre blockers into awful blockers. You know, it, <laughs> it, it can it can wreak havoc and make things not normal. Is all I'm saying. Right, right, agreed. Any uh, any stars or farts you want to throw out there? I thought that Darius Slayton at this point, I think is. We we can we there can't be any doubt anymore. This wasn't like a fluke one game two game. He didn't get hot this year. He's been great, um, and a rookie year for a wide receiver. I mean, it's not often that wide receivers in their first year do well, especially when they're picked outside of I would even say the third round. Um, and on top of that, I thought there were some good games around by guys like Alec Ogletree played tremendous in 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 uh, anything besides pass uh, coverage. But Marcus Golden, I think, is making a strong case for himself to be outbid. For the, I don't, I don't think he'll come back to this team simply because we won't be able to afford him with all the other things we need to do. He's he's played that well this year and specifically last night. How old is he? By next year, he'll be twenty nine. All right, so he's right on the edge of. What you, you know, would call the prime, yeah. Right yeah, the will his prime coincide with where this team needs to be in a couple of years? It'll be around the edge. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's uh, I mean, he's not going to be trying to get, like, J.J. Watt money or anything. So oh, they, no, 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 no. They, they may try to keep him. I mean, we do have – you know, there are a lot of needs for this team, but they're not going to completely rebuild just on free agency, and they might spend money to keep him. Um, I got a start for you, and it's based upon improvement – Throughout this year, uh, DeAndre Baker. Absolutely, I thought I thought actually all the defensive backs played pretty well last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, uh, granted, you know, the, the conditions are tough, but uh, he had three pass breakups on five targets, one catch for seven yards against him. Yeah, I mean, and, okay, and granted, granted, yeah, they have no receivers. I understand that, but this is a secondary that's been a sieve for the majority of the season, and. If the measuring stick for, you know, this coaching staff, you know, not just Shermer, but, you know, this, the uh, secondary coach and the defensive coordinator is, are we seeing growth, development, improvement from the young guys? Today was a step in the positive direction. I also think that it takes a game like this to get a confidence going in that position. I mean, it's a hard position to come in and play right away. And uh, he's Absolutely. done it. And, you know, maybe he needs a game like this where he can just absolutely blank it. I thought that all the defensive backs played pretty well last night, especially since um, I, I think the star of the, of the game unit-wise throughout is the defensive line. 
I mean, I, they really were putting heavy pressure on the quarterback. They were, for the most part, handling the run well. It didn't happen until the second half where there seemed to be no adjustment to the screen pass or the intermediate pass where the pass rush didn't have time to get there. But they were really dominating the show to the point where the only running plays were stretch plays and the corners came up and played the run really well. You know, we're, we're talking about how well the deep the secondary played and everything, but uh, I kept thinking about Wentz. And, you know, obviously he had no weapons yeah. against, but going forward, not who's the best quarterback in the division right now and everything, but going forward for the next five years. Like make a projection? How would you rank the four starting quarterbacks in division of who you rather have? Um, it's tough for me because I don't think I've seen enough of Jones. But based on what he is and what he's shown, mm-hmm. if he can handle his fumbling, he'd be the guy I'd want the most with Carson Wentz probably behind him. But again, I've seen even less of Dwayne Haskins. Um. And and to me, Dak Prescott is still in the bottom. I mean, with his accuracy issues, some of his decision-making is just really horrendous. Um, but Carson Wentz, to me, is is a guy... He's kind of still doing the same shit he did in his rookie year, where he's, like, running around too much and then just, like, throwing it out of bounds. Where it's, like, on, on like, fourth down. Right? Like, like not, that didn't happen, but, like, situations like that, like, why would you throw it away now? Like, why not just run? Mm-hmm. I have never been impressed. Like I said before, I've never been impressed with Peterson. I don't know if this is a very good coaching staff. I mean, that Super Bowl may go down as one of the all-time flukes in, in NFL history. That yeah. they just they kind of got hot with a hot backup quarterback, and you know, I don't know. I don't listen to WIP, but I wonder how much they debate. Did we make the right call going with Carson Wentz over Nick Foles? No, that is actually an ongoing debate, according to Jordan Raynon. Mm-hmm. Not ongoing. I believe it is kicked back up. Is what I meant to say. Uh because uh, I don't know, and I think it's not all Carson Wentz's fault. I, again, I think that he may suffer a fate. The Giants may suffer. Where are they getting the right coaching and development that that they need to go to the next level? And Wentz, he also can't stay healthy either. That's a, that's a that's, that's a, a problem huge, yeah, as well. That's, that's a, yeah. So. Yeah, that, that's something. Maybe we'll come back to this in the, uh, the Just Giants archives in four or five years. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will have a preview episode of the Miami Dolphins game available on Friday, um, Friday morning. So if you follow the podcast on platforms such as iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify and Google Play, you will have that in your uh, library or whatever it's called. Uh, your feed. Yeah, yeah. Your, your, well, you your, sound like my you sound like my dad now. Jeez. Well, I mean, is, isn't it named something different on every platform? I don't know because I don't use every platform, but whatever. <laughs> it will be available to you first thing in the morning, Friday morning, five a.m. Um, Eastern. And uh, if you follow us on Twitter, I'm football. I'm at football underscore grump, and the podcast itself is at Just Giants Pod. We will bump the podcast when it comes up. I am always at the cranky fan where we're talking giants. We're talking orange bull bound Florida Gators winter meetings for baseball lightning. Me just telling Scott Boris to go fuck himself. 
whole bunch of things out there. So give me a follow on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. That's quality inter- that's that's quality content, guys. <laughs> and you have to follow me to find out what I'm talking about. All right, and and we will be having our uh, at this point annual Christmas dinner, which the Giants saved us. Yeah, yeah for all those who don't know, and basically nobody you know, we have uh, two close friends who are Tampa Bay Bucks fans, and every year we have a bet for our favorite restaurant up here, Valari. It's a free plug for you boys on uh, West 4th Street. But, oh, I'm uh, sure they appreciate that. I'm sure they do. <laughs> so we'll take a free drink when we get there. But we make a bet every year that when the Giants and Bucks play, and usually the schedule is kind of aligned, whether it's you know divisions playing or last place, first, last place, you, you name it. And the most important victory of the year for the Giants was they beat the Bucks back in week three. So we will be feasting this Saturday night. We will have – Pictures of our meal on Twitter. Yeah. And you're going to order the soup, right? Oh, I'm ordering the soup. I'm ordering the salad. I'm having an aperitif. I'm having <laughs> digestive. You name it. <laughs> I'll be wearing a special outfit for that dinner too, which oh, will be Jesus. on will be on the uh, on the Twitter and the Facebook page and everything. So, thank you, Tampa Bay Bucks. Thank you, Jameis Winston. <laughs> our meal has not been a complete failure this well, I year. Mean, the biggest thanks goes to um, oh man, what's his name, Matt Gay. Uh, Matt Gay for blowing that field goal at the end of the game. That's his name, right? Yeah. Okay, there you go. He gets he gets the honorary toast for the. That's for right. The, yeah. We we may have won a free dinner, but we may have lost the number one draft pick because of him. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that is happening. What an interesting career he's had. That is happening this Saturday and uh, Sunday. We will be at the uh, at the Giants game. If you want, we'll be there early. We'll be hosting the loser of the Valari Bowl. So come out to the Jameson room and come early because we will be drinking. We might even lot. be generous. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, Grumpy Grump got a raise recently. He might buy you a drink. Don't don't count on it. But you know, if, if I'm drunk enough, maybe. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, everyone, go Giants. Giants. <laughs>